0: Erev 12, good, good evening. Good evening. We're using a different camera, so I apologize in advance if the camera or the video or the audio is a little different than the past. And mm-hmm. uh, the quality of the shoe is what matters. And this is my favorite Rambam in the world that we're going to be studying today. So if last week was the most important shoe that I've taught in a very long time, this is the second most important shoe that I've taught in a very long time. But before we get there, it's important. Somebody asked me at the end of last week's shoe. If according to the Rambam, then this understanding of Agada is the secrets of the Torah, the sword of the Torah. And I think that it's important to understand in the writings of the Rambam what exactly are, I hate the word secrets so much, but the, the deeper side of the Torah, and I think the deepest that we have will be a Navi, a prophet. Let's say uh, for one moment, look at the Rambam. In the laws of Yisodei HaTorah, I'll read it to you. It's not the focus tonight, you. The Rama in Hichot Yisodei HaTorah talks about the Pardes, this uh, orchard. The Rama writes. It's a continuation of the Rambam's entire chapter, which we'll discuss when we get there in our Rambam shiur. This is what's called the Pardes. Like the rabbi say, four went into the Pardes. And even though they were great rabbis, and they were wise men as well, they weren't just great rabbis, they also were great Chachamim. Not all of them had the strength or the intellectual capacity to understand everything that they saw in the palace. This understanding of the Rambam, of what makes a person understand the secrets of the world, has to do with their intellect. Which is why for the Rambam it's so important that people don't mess up their intellect. Why people use their intellect properly. I'm going to fast forward to the towards the end of Yichot Torah. Where the Rambam describes a prophet. A prophet is greater than any great uh, tzaddik that you might know. A prophet is a prophet. It's one who communicates with the Divine. And putting aside the differences between Moshe Rabbeinu and other prophets which the Rambam discusses here. The Rambam writes, Mi Hadat, it's from the foundations of our faith. Leda, to know... That God communicates through prophecy with man. Meaning, there's no disconnect between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and man. We communicate. Compare this with the Kuzari that we once studied about other faiths that believed in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, believed in humans, but didn't believe that there was any direct channel of communication. Wisdom only rests on a person... Was a great Chacham and has tremendous wisdom. Gibor which is courageous in his character traits. V'lo Yitzro mitgaber alav bedavar ba'olam. And his yeter, his inclination, shouldn't overcome him in any matter in the world. mitgaber al Yitzro But he, through his mind, can overcome any yeter of his always. Bal De'a Rechava, is a person of tremendous, wide De'a. That, again, wide, and I'm not going to split hairs now, De'a, Chochma, Bina, Seche, these are all knowledge, understanding, wisdom, perception, throw it all out there. Nechona Ad Me'od, a very proper understanding. Adam Shehu Memula Bechol Hamidot Ha'elua, a person who is full of all of these Midot, Shalem Beguflo, is complete in his body. in his body yeah Minab Wow, Minab wow. <laughs> the Ramam earlier says or maybe not earlier but in Da'od the Ramam writes that having a healthy body is from the ways of a a person can't have an unhealthy body and be connected to the Divine when he enters the Pardes so this is many chapters later the Ramam again mentions this Pardes that earlier he spoke about I read correctly. that's is what it says, and he is going after these great ideas, these distant ideas that he sees. V'tielo dat nechonah lehavinu He'll have again the proper dat to understand and perceive these things. and he becomes sanctified. and continues midachay klal and separates himself from the ways of the rest of humanity. hazman who go with all the, you know, they're carried away by all of the fads of the day, by all of the things that distract people. And he hurries himself. And he causes himself not to get carried away by any of the nonsensical things in the world. And not from any of the time wasters or the the other things that are, people waste their times in Ella rather data his dat again dat how many times I say dat in this chapter. His dat Tamid Lamana is always open to receive from above. It's bound up, it's connected directly underneath the throne. To understand all of the holy and pure images. I'm not going to dissect the words of the Ramadan today, but he sees with his with his wisdom, with the wisdom of a Baruch everything from the beginning until the belly button of earth. And he understands their greatness and then immediately... Ruach HaKodesh rests on him. Uvayechetanuach ruach, And from that moment that the spirit rests on him. His soul will now become intermingled with the souls of the angels, which are called ishim. Via pech ishacher. And he'll become a different person. Via vin bedato, she'no And he'll understand on his own. Bedato. Through his intellect that he's not who he was but that he's even surpassed the other wise men. Like it says by Shaul, and you prophesied with them, and you've become a different person. For the Rambam, a prophet is one whose highest intellect connects to the highest intellect of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore receives and understands things that previously they couldn't understand. There's no hocus-pocus about this. There's a tremendous amount of discipline, physical discipline, emotional discipline, spiritual discipline, religious discipline, that a person has to have and possess in order to reach this level of nivua, connection to that should not then surprise you that for the Rambam, even somebody who does all the mitzvot correctly, but if he's from one of those categories of fools, as the Rambam calls them, then how can he even consider himself a wise person? That's not the point. There's greater than that. There's how you understand this. If you recall when we studied Rabbi Avraham bin Arambam, Rabbi Avraham bin Arambam said that many people think that when you do mitzvot, what's the next level? is to do more mitzvot. To do the mitzvah more. He says that's not a khumah. A is to do the mitzvah qualitatively better. There's Shabbat, and there's Shabbat that is of higher quality. Not higher quantity. Not more things <coughs> you don't do on Shabbat. But rather there are two people sitting at the same table eating the same food and experiencing two completely different dimensions. We very rarely push people to experience Judaism on a qualitatively different level. Instead we're always pushing for all kinds of external uh, little meticulous details that don't teach one the wisdom that the Rambam is trying to get us at. So now that we read that let's look at the Rambam that we have in front of us to the table. So we are in the introduction of the ambum. Yes. yes, it's the same one we started last week, but it's a second essay in that. So it's on page seven in Hebrew. My text is slightly different than yours because I'm reading from one inside of a book. And this is what you must know. This is the Rambam's introduction about Agada, not found in the introduction of the Mishnah, that's what we did last week, but it's the Rambam's introduction to Agada found in his introduction to Perakachelik. The chapter of Sanhedrin, you know Perek HaChedek. That's the beginning of Perek HaChedek. It's not actually from Perek like many people think. And it's called Chedek because portion, the portion of the world to come. This is a chapter that has a high number of Agadot inside of it, and therefore the Ramam seems to have felt it's important to put this introduction there. And that, which you must know. Page 7. That the words of our rabbi is a blessed in memory. People have been split up into three different categories. And there are three different types of people who fall into these categories. The first one. Vurov It's the majority that I've seen. Majority of people fall into this category. And I've seen many authors write in this style and many things I've heard from them. They believe all the words of the agadot according to the pshat. Whatever it says, what it means. And they don't accept that there's any hidden meaning to the words of agadah at all and all the things that intellectually you reject they force themselves to accept everything that is nimna everything that is unacceptable to believe they believe it so how many times in Jewish day schools do we teach Torah in this way whatever the Midrash says that's what it means paror was one amahai right? a foot and a half and Moshe Rabbeinu was 10 amotai, 15 feet. So when Moshe Rabbeinu goes to Paro and says, let my people go, and Paro says, no. So Moshe Ishef just stepped on him and taken the Jewish people out of Egypt. Oh, that's not what it means. So why do you teach children that that's what it means? Why from a very young age are we already corrupting people's minds, like the first camp, and saying everything that's written in the Divrei Hagadah, those words are, the everything means what it means. But they do this because they don't truly understand wisdom. And they are very distant from any kind of uh, understandings. They don't have any... They're not complete enough that they will come to this realization on their own. And there's nobody to wake them up out of this, uh, belief system. Sovrim, they believe, they believe that our rabbi's only intention, in all of our rabbi's straightforward and f- correct words, whatever they understood in initial reading of the Chachamim, that's what they believed to be. So they know for certain that Chachamim meant exactly what they wrote the way they wrote it. And even though some of the things that they say it actually could sound terrible. It makes makes Kadosh B'chut look bad Makes Chachamim look like they're distant from intellect. That if you would read such words to the ignoramuses on the street... How much more so do the wise men? They would look at you like you're crazy. They would say, "How could it be that there's a person in the world who thinks like this?" Would believe that this is a true belief. Forget that they believe it's true, but they think that it's a good thing. There are things which people say sometimes, and doesn't just leave you scratching your head. It leaves you wondering. Wow, how do you even believe such a thing? And how do you believe that such a thing makes sense? Worse than how do you believe it? How do you believe that such a thing is good? Vizohakat this group, Aniyei haddat they are those who suffer from poverty of the mind. You should feel bad for them because of their stupidity. They really intend to respect the rabbis. Meaning, we believe everything the rabbis say. They really intend that in a in an honest way to respect chachamim. But they denigrate our rabbis in the greatest level of denigration possible. But the worst part is they don't even understand how bad they make our chachamim look. You should be reading this to the background of the Rambam's books being burned in Europe. I mean, this is, this is the proper soundtrack for the words of the Rambam. <laughs> this is a language of swearing. And I swear to Hashem, Kiakata that this group, Maabdim hadrata Torah, they rid the Torah of its beauty. Umafilim zohara, And they, they cast shadows over its light. תורת השם בהפך בה. And they interpret the Torah the exact opposite of what the Torah intended to be. לפי בתורה, כי מה? Because Hashem says in the pure Torah, אשר ישמעון, את בוקת הבוקת dvarim אשר shmeun את כל chukim האלה. They should hear, who should hear? The world should hear all of these laws. ואמרו, and they will say, רק עם חכם ונבון הגוי הגדול Look what an intelligent, and sophisticated, wise nation, this great nation is. And this group, they teach over the teachings of our rabbis, of blessed memory, that when the nations of the world hear what these rabbis say, they have no choice but to proclaim, that the What a stupid and unintelligent nation (laughs) this tiny nation is. This Kat Rishonah, the first group, this is the majority of the Jewish people. Which are the Jewish people? The Chachamim of the Jewish people. Their attitude towards Torah is so superficial, so elementary, so juvenile, that they think that they are the ones who believe in HaKadosh Baruch They're the ones who understand Chachamim. They're the ones who are mainstream. And this was a thousand years ago. So, yeah, it says, yeah. the, what the say? There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. It says, the these people, in their good mm-hmm. intentions, <clears throat> they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. In their good intention to show how much they believe in Hu and His Torah, they do nothing more than destroy the beauty of the Torah, cover up the light of the Torah, and cause the nations, instead of proclaiming, look what a beautiful people Akhusbukhu has, look what a crazy people Akhusbukhu has. How many of us have felt that way before? You sit learning talk with somebody, you hear a shi'ul somewhere, you read a book somewhere, and you wonder, wow, why do they translate this into English? Which guy decided this was a good idea to put on YouTube? Who decided the world has to hear? I can't believe that I'm part of a people who believes this. The rov ma ze' Most of this is done by the speakers you know, throughout history, our rabbis had a hard time with the darshanim. Those pop speakers that would speak Torah to the masses, they're hitmen. <laughs> they essentially, oh, yeah, we, we call the them way. here, they hit and run rabbis. They come in, they speak, and they leave. And most communities, by the way, don't really to... care for the scholars that are in their communities. They're always looking for the next uh, excitement that's coming yeah. from outside somewhere. It's like, you know, when the mm-hmm. rabbi tamicham speaks, there's five people in the B'day Knesset. And when mm-hmm. the fool comes in from another city, ah, oh, look how many people show up. It's the way of the world. So the Darshanim, they've always been at odds with the Chachamim who are truly learned because they're pop speakers. They teach a pop faith, a pop Judaism. And they resort to all kinds of uh, uh, tactics which are meant to excite the masses but not actually give them any wisdom. Their whole mission is to teach the people what even they don't understand. I mean, normally the things that they speak about are things they don't know anything about. (laughs) If only we could ask from them that once, because they don't understand, and they don't know, (laughs) they should shut up. (laughs) Like Iov says, If only we could give you the gift of silence, and then... That would be, for you, your wisdom. (laughs) I'm shocked. (laughs) The Rambam is losing his patience here with a group of people who are running around peddling a cheap Torah. They speak about things they don't understand properly. This is the Rambam. At the very least, you should have the character trait in you. The things you don't know about, don't speak about them. Like we mentioned last week Mm -hmm. in the Rambam's other essay. It would make a wise person seem wiser... If you only spoke about the things he knew. And stupid people, they get diplomas in speaking about things they don't know about. At the very least, they should say, We don't understand the words of our. It means it's an interesting. We're going to read now something that we don't really understand. How many times you could... you could say, Listen, I'm reading something now, I don't know how to explain it to you. Or it would require another whole shi'u to understand it in this teaching of theirs we also don't know how to elaborate on it but they, not only they don't understand that they don't know it they think they know it and they do everything they possibly can to teach it to the masses they wish to to peddle to the masses what their inferior intellect didn't comprehend in the essays of our rabbis, lomashem <laughs> ruach chachamim. It's not what the chachamim actually said. V'dorshim brachei ha'am, and they stand in front of the masses and, and the heads of the people, and they teach drashot, uh, lectures, mi'masechet brachot from the book of brachot, chapter brachot, and uh, tractate brachot in the Talmud. Uperik achelik in the chapter achelik al pshatam, based on a simple, superficial reading of these texts, mina be mina. Word for word. These rabbis' best defense is when you counter them, but that's not what it means. They tell you, I'm only reading what it says! That's their favorite response yeah. to say. Yeah. We know that that is what it says. We also know that there's no way it could mean the, mean what it says based on the way you're reading it. Yeah. Let's see what the Ramam said again. What he read above. <laughs> All of the things that intellectually are rejected, they force themselves to believe. You can't accept this to be true. But you believe it. And not only do you believe it, you go out to the masses and peddle these teachings to them. Okay, this is category number one. Those who believe in the writings of the rabbis, (laughs) the fit shu Simple. You know, by the way, when I first moved to San Diego, I had an interesting interaction with some people wasn't just some people, it was a lot of people. In the style of speech. I used to give shiwi. What kind of shiwi? To people that were learning Torah with me. And I would say things. Oh, don't speak so harshly. That's so divisive to say some, some, Certain words like that. People are, were very used to, you know, it's very... La-di-da. Very... Kumbaya. Yeah, it's a kind of Torah that doesn't bother, doesn't ruffle anyone's feathers. Now I understood why people don't like to be bothered or have their feathers ruffled. I understand that. What I didn't understand was then when they would say, well, it's not befitting for a rabbi to speak such a way. Imagine if you were a lawyer and I told you, it's not befitting for a lawyer to speak that way. Or you're a doctor, it's not befitting for a doctor to dress that way. Or you were an accountant, it's not befitting for you to do math that way. Imagine like, I'm going to come with my professional opinion on how you should speak. I don't know which Chachamim they studied from. But the Chachamim that we studied <laughs> from spoke like this, in very clear very no beating around the bush terms, so that you will not have any vagueness in who they were talking about or what they were talking about. Because when it comes to tola, it's not a game; it's truth. It's divine wisdom you're you're dealing with. We don't want to play with fire. The kadoshniya, the second group. Hem rabim gamkin. There's a lot of them too. There's so the first camp is the majority. So, but the second one, don't think. There's many of these people as well. These are people who saw or heard the words of our rabbis. And they initially understood the words of our rabbis in their simple level. And they think that the Chachamim certainly meant what they wrote. And they come along and mock the words of the Chachamim because they believe the first camp that that's what the Chachamim really meant. And they... Speak ill of those who have nothing that you could speak ill of. And they mock the words of our Rabbis. And they think that their minds are sharper or purer than theirs. They are fools who have bad brains, bad minds. They are... Ignorant entirely of reality. And that they think that if the chachamim were around, they wouldn't understand anything of wisdom, and not, no sciences, no truth, no. They lack intellect entirely. So because the first camp exists, it creates a reaction, which is the second camp. The second camp says, listen, that's what, the, that's what they say the Talmud means. That's what they say the rabbis mean. That's what they say the Torah means. So if that's what it means, and all the rabbis say that's what it means. Then for sure the rabbis of 2000 years ago were primitive people who didn't understand the world, who had no wisdom, who, you know, this kind of camp exists as well. There are unfortunately many people like that. And most who fall in this matter. They're those who deal with medicines, sciences. And they involve themselves Mm-mm. in the the nonsense of the stars. Who's he talking about? Astrology. Astrology. That's from the scientists in general. I don't know that he's talking about scientists. Much. Yeah, that is... I think here when he's talking about um, uh, the stars, he's talking about like like horoscopes and the people who are, are attracted to this. Yeah, elsewhere he distinguishes between astronomy and astronomy. Right, that's correct. That's what's why I'm, I'm... Because they, in their own eyes, are very, very intelligent and very sophisticated people. And they're very sharp. And they're philosophers. the Dhamma wouldn't speak this way about real doctors and real scientists and real people who are men of wisdom. And they are so far removed when placed next to the real philosophers, the real chachamim. And these people are more stupid than the first camp. Many of them are simply steeped in stupidity, and they're a cursed camp. Because they speak poor of people who are giants, that even the wise have accepted those people's wisdom. And these fools... If only they train themselves properly in wisdom, in sciences, in how to write things properly, to read things properly. The is was alluding to a high level of, of illiteracy. Not illiteracy is in they can't read and write. But they have a very hard, they're not so sophisticated when it comes to language, to, to write things properly, to to formulate logical arguments. And they would understand the practical portion of philosophy. Then they would truly be able to understand if the Chachamim were wise or not. And then they would also gain the benefit of actually understanding the words of the Chachamim. In this camp, may even be worse than the first camp because they have potential for greatness. They're steeped in stupid sciences and stupid wisdom. But if they would use all that time and energy to truly understand philosophy and wisdom, then they would actually not just know if the Chachamim were really Chachamim, they would maybe begin to comprehend the words of the Chachamim properly. In which case, they wouldn't feel that the Chachamim were not wise. Now we're up to the third camp. The third camp. The third camp. I swear in the life of Hashem, there are very few of them. I can't even call them a category. Like you call the, the sun a species, but there's only one in that species. V'hem otam b'nei Adam, meaning how many of people are this like the Rambam? says there's one or two or three, a few of them. They're not very many. V'hem otam b'nei Adam, they're the type of people <speaking in Hebrew> that it has become clear to them how intelligent the Chachamim were. V'tuv and they understand the purity of thought that they have. Mimash and and they realize that their words allude to very great and very true things. And even though their words are scattered throughout different documents, See, sometimes they didn't write a book on Agadah. These rabbis didn't have a running commentary on Agadah. But from the times where they interpret the Agadah, you can tell that they really understood what they were talking about. They really knew and appreciated the wisdom of Chachamim. And they understood the things which are impossible to accept, and they understood those things which must be accepted in their stead. And they knew that the Chachamim are blessed in memory. Eina hitulim. That they don't speak nonsense. And it's become clear to them. And it became clear to them. Truth to them that the words of Chachamim have revealed sides to them and secret sides to them. And they know that every time you read something for the Chachamim that is impossible to accept, that it's a parable or a riddle. Because that is the way of the great Chachamim. and therefore, Sifro okay. the greatest of all wise men. Who is he? Shmuel Shmuel opens up his work. We're on top of page eight. The two lines down from the top right. and he says in Mishlei, Lehavin Chachamim to understand rhymes and riddles, the the words of the rabbis in their, in their parables. The chachamim, no, the word chida is something that you understand it differently than how it's revealed. That I will riddle for you a riddle. I will, I will give you a something that you have to uncover, you have to decode it on your own because the words of a rabbi speak about very lofty concepts but they're written in such a way that they come off as stories, as parables he said you have a hard time saying how could it be that the chachamim some things are literal and some things are not literal don't you know that Shlomo Amalek himself did this? In Mishlei, in Shira Shirim, in some of Kohelet. Like these books didn't all happen in reality, or they don't mean what they mean literally. The whole Shira Shirim. Shirim is a, is a song between us and Kalushbachu. Every word, every sentence, every chapter has content. and so why does Shlomo Amalek write it as a love song? The Gemara says that all the books are Kodesh, are holy. But Shirah Shirim is Kodesh, Kodesh. It's the holy of holies. Holy of holies. It's translated into English. It doesn't sound so holy to many people. We've spoken about that before also. The Catholic Jewish faith. I'm not here to talk about that point. I mean, except that even Shlomo, Melech and the Tanakh, speaks in riddles. So, why is it so hard to accept the Chachamim who came after him? Spoken riddles. So why is it so difficult for some people to comprehend that we will take the rabbi's words out of their literal context so they can fit in with our intellect and that they will finally be truthful? Like we say that a rabbis themselves rabbi do this with the Torah. And said, pasuk, and the pasuk from Moab, that he hit the teeth of Ariel Moab. This is all a mashal. When he went and hit the lion in the pit, mashal. That's also a parable. Who will give me water from the wells of The whole story there in the Tanakh is all a parable. The whole book of Iov. Listen very carefully right now. The whole book of Iov. Some of the Chachamim, not all of the Chachamim, but some of the Chachamim in the Talmud say, "Mashal haya." It's all a parable. It never happened. Not all the Chachamim agree. But some of our Chachamim felt that Iyov never happened. Or at least didn't happen the way it's written that it happened. It's a mashal. There's depth to be learned from it. There's messages that one must learn from it. But don't understand it the way you read it. V'lo piresh hu husham mashal. Husham mashal. V'chen matei the bones of Yich Remember the dead bodies of Yich We read this Haftarah. We talk about the, the re- afterlife. I believe it's Sukkot we read it. That's motivation? Yeah, somewhere in Sukkot, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe Simchat Torah. Could be Pesach. One of the, uh, either Sukkot or Pesach. I don't remember it there. We read it as a Haftarah it's all about the dead bones, the, the valley of the dry bones, and the dry bones will then have the flesh, and then they'll have a life, and the spirit of Hashem, will, they'll come back to their land. Says the Rambam, A'mu Kzat Mashal Haya. Our rabbis and in Sanhedrin, some of them say, it's a mashal, it's a parable. The Rambim Kenna, there are many things like this. Says the Rambam, this concept that I'm introducing, is not new, it's not mine, it's not novel, it's not novel to say that not everything the Chachamim wrote, they meant literally. People say, what do you mean? How do you how can you say the rabbis didn't speak literally? Uh, how do I say? That's like everything else in the Torah. We have a tradition like that in Judaism that some things are written in a certain way, but they're not meant to be understood that way. So why is it so difficult for some people to comprehend that our rabbis wrote things that were not intended to be taken literally? and if you, my dear reader, Mechat Hashteiki if you belong to one of the first two categories, Do me a favor. Don't read my book. Don't read anything that I write about this. Because you will enjoy nothing from it. It will hurt you. It will cause you Damage. And you will hate it. Sometimes you see this, now it's Pesach, so always we get new people on our forum. And there's those people like, wow, finally. And then those people that come and they're so angry. And their anger comes from this place of, what do you mean? My whole life I was told I have to buy kosher for Pesach toilet paper, and now you say I don't have to? Now you can't
1: even buy toilet paper. So. All
0: right, now you can't even buy toilet Should have chosen something else. <laughs> the whole life they told me the paper plates were chametz, and so now you say, so what do they do? They take it out on you. Because these people can't understand when something good comes their way, says the Rambam. For example, how can a person uh, how can a person who's used to eating bad food appreciate quality, healthy food? People that are used to eating bad food don't appreciate when they eat good food. They're so used to eating bad food. They can't wrap their head around this idea that, wow, there's food, and the food that I don't like is actually better for me. But we may not even be talking here. You want to put health on the side? Just talk about taste. There are gourmet connoisseurs of food, and they serve people food. Clearly, I mean, these people have a taste, and, and others, uh, for uh, hot dog and oh, fries, you know? Like what? Hot, those hot dog pies. Like those hot dog, right? hot dog pies. The person is just eating hot dog pie. Yeah? Duck. Or they're used to eating uh, uh, all kinds of strange food, spam from a can, I don't know, whatever they eat. Now you come and offer them some fresh food. Let's say you want to talk about meat, so you bring them. They're used to their whole life eating hot dogs. Now you talking, you bring them a good steak, they can't eat it. People that are used to eating frozen vegetables their whole life, you know, frozen vegetables. They They finally you bring them a fresh vegetable. <clears throat> Wait, how come my corn doesn't taste like corn? <laughs> They only eat canned beans, so now comes time to eat the can. They don't know what to do with it. Whatever it is, people who don't know, they don't have the ability to appreciate these things. Says the Ramam, If you're from the first two categories, you simply lack the palate needed to appreciate what I'm writing. He has no idea that this food hurts him. And so, who does he hate? He hates the good food. Hello, you know in the book of Bamidbar that there are people that were so used to eating the btsalim and the shumim and the dagim. Different commentaries translate those differently. they say our 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 soul is grossed out by this food that you are giving us, Hashem. The Jews in Egypt they were so used to eating slave food that when it came time to eat Hakadosh Baruch food, they couldn't eat it. Our Torah tells us that there are people who simply have ruined their taste. If that's true in the physical realm, in the intellectual realm, how much more so? There are people who simply are so used to eating junk food Torah, they cannot appreciate healthy, wholesome, nutritious Torah. They can't do it. It's too much for them. Saddam, if you belong to those two camps, just stay away. You're really going to hate my book. But if you are from the third camp, when you see something from the words of our rabbis that your intellect causes you to reject, stand, just concentrate. Ponder this matter deeply. I think that the proper text would be Vida. You should know. In the book in front of me, it has, I don't want to be for those who correct the, the Ramab's text, right? But, and you should know, that it's a chida'u mashal. It's just a riddle. The rabbis are speaking in, in uh, encrypted terminology. And you should lay in bed. Eating your heart out, meaning ashuk is a oppressed heart, with a heavy heart. And your mind should be distracted, meaning concentrating, but it shouldn't be able to think about anything else. You're trying to understand how to understand this properly. And you should do your best to try to uncover the straightforward, intellectually honest truth at the matter in front of you. You know that oftentimes I give a shiu here. And there are people who write to me. I say, oh, I need, I need to understand this idea we spoke about. Or they they share a thought. You said something the Shul, and then a day later, two days later, they will forward me something. It tells me this person is a is a is a real, a real Talmid That this person three days later is still thinking about what they learned. It's become part of what they think about. That something they didn't accept it also bothers them. Something they did accept, they're trying to add it to other places to, to project it in other situations. There was a famous Rosh Shiva. I'm skipping his name. Somebody once came to ask him a question. Yeah, the Talmud. It's something he learned. He's having a hard time reconciling this with another piece of the Talmud. He asked the rabbi, I'll think about it. At two o'clock in the morning, this rabbi bangs his door down. I got an answer for you. I got an answer. He gets out of bed. He's like, Whoa, what happened? He said, oh, you're sleeping. He's said, how can you fall asleep if you have a question in the Talmud? Said, how did you go to sleep? I couldn't go to sleep. It's your question. I couldn't go to sleep. How did you go to sleep? There are people who are used to living in cognitive dissonance. So because they're used to their life being full of contradictions, things they can't make peace with, the best way to deal with it is to avoid dealing with it. It's not a way that a lives. This is the Amam, if you wish to belong to the third camp, and you want to learn from my book, promise me that you're the type of person that when you study a passage of Chachamim, and you say it doesn't make sense, that you won't let it go until you find a solution. You might not find a solution. But never make the mistake of the first two categories. To either reject the words of the Chachamim because they don't make sense, or worse, to accept the words of the Chachamim as they are written when they don't make sense. Really, the would have considered the second category worse. And finishes, the Ramo concludes, like it says in emet. To find divrei words of, of, Desire. If this is your attitude, then you can read my book, and it will help you with the help of Hashem. I think this is the attitude that one must have when dealing with Adedal. You have to be able to say, I might not understand the video because my mind didn't reach that place yet. So what? What's the big deal? But never make the mistake of forcing yourself to accept things that you simply cannot accept as truth. And never make the mistake of rejecting words of our Chachamim, because you feel that somehow they were primitive people who lived a long time ago who didn't understand anything. In order to learn the words of the Chachamim, the precondition is that you accept that they are the Chachamim. They are the definition of what is wise. And we, our Rabbi say, If the early Chachamim are like angels, we're like human beings. And if the first chachamim were human beings. We're like donkeys. We're not even holy like the donkey. Of Rabbi ben the Talmud has a lot of stories about a donkey. I mentioned one of those stories in my book. Uh, at the end of the chapter of Chumot. It's a very holy donkey. It says we're not even a holy donkey. We're just a regular donkey. Our attitude must be when we learn the words of chachamim. You don't have to understand everything. Especially when we're going to jump into the words of Chachamim that don't always make sense at first glance. But remember that we always want to be from the Amram's third category. From those people who will not let it rest by taking the two cheap options out. Accepting things that don't make sense as truths and that makes us believers. Or rejecting things that the Chachamim said because we think we're smarter than them. Always be from the third camp. And that's the Amram's message. God willing, next week, uh, we're going to be studying the introduction of Rabbi mm-hmm. Avraham ben Haramba. Naamam San to the Agada. It's a very long introduction. I don't know that we're going to do all of it. We might do selected passages of it. I will try to work up by Sunday or Monday uh, the the Hebrew along with the English. There is an English translation for that. The rest of the introductions we're going to do do not have English translations to them. So uh, for right now, I'm. I'm telling you that until next week Thursday I ask that you get through as much of a ben avam ben avam of the direction I will do my best to post a, a version of it uh, over the weekend onto the Google classroom for those who are now joining us from the Google classroom around the world uh, this class will be uploaded to them uh, when they get a chance but they should also be doing the homework with us and I ask that those of you who didn't have sheets in front of you today to please print and bring the sheets with you what you learn over a phone will never ever do what will paper in front of your eyes will do for you I